welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I'm super duper excited to be here today. And uh, we're going to dive right into this sucker. I don't know. I don't know if I can make this a super short episode because I got a lot of things to say about this. Um, and I'm just fresh off. I'm just fresh off a, a run and a gym workout. So I'm still a little sweaty. So forgive me. Forgive me, viewers who are not listeners. Listeners, I don't have to describe how I look right now. Oh, my God. Okay. So. I think I'm going to call this sucker. Okay. Well, first of all, before I tell you that, let me, let me tell you kind of a little behind the scenes, a little BTS of where, where this title and this whole show came from, because it came from a couple of different places. And this is sometimes like how my brain works create, creatively. So spiritual team on the job, S-T-O-T-J, it will start to bring in things from multiple places. And then I'm like, boom, I got a show, right? So sometimes it's a little sip, sip, as Linda Ty says over here, a little something, a little breadcrumb over there. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is what all this has been pointing to. Okay, so back in the day, back in the day, uh, there was a song called um, Spinning Wheel. And I think it was recorded the year I was born, 1968, by a band called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Some of you who, if you're around my age, I'm, I'm almost 55, you might remember this song. I'm not going to sing it to you, but the lyrics, you know, the lyrics start with this. What goes up must come down. And then it goes on to say spinning wheel, you know, da, 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 da. So what goes up must come down. So I was thinking about that. And it is from that, it is from flipping that title or those lyrics that I got the title for today's show, which is this, uh, what went down will come up. So they're saying what goes up must come down. And I'm saying what went down, oh, it will come up. And I'm going to explain, <laughs> excuse me, I'm going to take a little sippy here, a little sip, sip. I'll explain more what I mean by that. Um, but it was also this this episode was also inspired by a couple of things. I was uh, I had like lunch with a couple of my friends the other day and they were talking about therapy and, you know, different kinds of stuff. And I said to them, have you seen the show Couples Therapy? Because I'm a little bit obsessed with this show Couples Therapy. Uh, one, because I am, as you guys know, if you're a loyal listener at some point along, first of all, if you're a loyal listener, thank you so much from the bottom of my hat. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. If you're new here, welcome to the show. Um, so if you're a loyal listener, you've probably have heard me say before that I'm, I'm really, really curious about people. I'm curious and I'm fascinated by 
why we do what we do, think what we think, say what we say, behave how we behave. I, I'm really fascinated by the human experience, obviously in the work that I do, right? In the work that I do. Um, and I almost became a therapist, you guys. So when I first um, moved from LA back here, when I came back to the East Coast, um, I was a personal trainer and I was like, but what am I going to do with my life? Right? Like, is this is what, is this what I want to do now? I didn't end up becoming a therapist. I became a yoga teacher instead. That's a whole other story. But I will say that I was dead serious about this. I was going to apply to Goddard college and my therapist in, um, California, the brilliant, the brilliant Daphne Rose Kingma, who is also uh, a very well-known best-selling author. She's been on, I think she's been on Oprah, but she's definitely, she's been on Larry King. She's been all, all these shows and she uh, is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. She has a bunch of ton of books that are fantastic. If you've never Google it, Daphne Rose Kingma, but she wrote me an incredible um, recommendation letter to get into school. And then I, I decided not to pursue it. I decided not to go get a master's and go become a therapist. But my work has been circling around that impulse for a really long time as a certified spiritual mentor, as a certified integrative hypnotist, as a certified life coach and integrative change worker and working with, you know, brain science and all this stuff and, and being a huge fan of IFS work, internal family systems and POTS work and trauma. Like there's just so much stuff, right? Um, brain science, neuroscience, all this stuff that kind of informs, you know, my work. So again, to say I'm obsessed with this show, Couples Therapy. And when I was watching it, um, <laughs> the last season that had come out, I was fascinated by, and this is how it's all going to apply to you and why you should give a shit and why it matters. Okay. And I'm going to dive into this. I have a bunch of notes and in, in handouts in front of me today, because um, there's a, a few things that I want to reference and how this applies to you is that watching the show, watching couples therapy, inevitably, inevitably, with every single adult that is sitting on the couch. Now, these couples span all different types of relationships. There are heterosexual Jewish couples. There are gay couples. You know, one of the partners might be trans. There are um, couples, of, couples of color, sometimes a, a black person married to a white person, younger people. Like, I mean, it's just like every mishmash, pretty, not every, but lots of different <clears throat> dynamics, people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different religions, different faith or no faith, uh, ex-Mormons, like everything you could think of. And this is why I love it. It is like, it is like uh, taste the rainbow of all the different kinds of ways that even though we might look different on the inside, we all have these inner lives, right? Um, that get affected because we were all once children. And I'm going to dive more into this in, in, in a moment. And every single couple, whatever it is they're grappling with in their marriage, in their relationship, in their partnership, whether they're trying to work to stay together or they're trying to have a peaceful um, ending or divorce or whatever, it always comes up that they are often recreating the experiences of their childhoods now 
in their adult relationships. I see the same thing in my own clients, in my own one-to-one clients in the quest when I was dealing with people. And I don't mean dealing in a negative way, you know, when I was helping people in my, my, my former membership. And now, right, like in my group coaching program that's coming up in September, and guys, I think three seats are already taken now. So I only have nine spots left. I'm only, I'm keeping it small, the 12 people, because I want to keep it intimate. And I want to be able um, to have these people get to know each other and create more trust, et cetera, et cetera. So my point being is that, right, I've seen it again and again and again. I've seen it in myself, in, in how I have shown up in my relationships over the year. And all of this adult stuff, right? So here's the, here's the question, right? How, how did I want to say it? Because I, I wrote it down here. What is the impact, right? What went down? What went down in your childhood is what I'm trying to say. It is going to show up in your adult relationships. And that's what I wrote. What's the impact of childhood trauma on adult relationships? And we're going to talk a little bit about that word trauma and stuff too. Now, I always have to say this, right? My, I drive my clients crazy because I'll always say, hey, hashtag not a therapist, right? I did not go to become a therapist. And while I do a lot of work that kind of plays in that area, I will often say to people, this is what I, I'm, we're going to work on together. This is something, and I'll say, this is something you might want to uh, seek out a therapist for like this particular thing. Cause I, I try to know my lanes, right? I try to help where I can be helpful, but I try to be really mindful of where I don't want to cross a boundary where that's not a, that's not a place where I should be playing around. You know what I mean? And um, try to refer to somebody or help them to, you know, help them find somebody that might be able to help them. Um, so how does, let's talk about this. Like how does, what, what went down, what went down in your life? And this is, this whole episode is just an invitation for you to kind of just pause if you want to, right? Look, you don't have to do jack shit. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> These podcasts are always just from my heart to yours. It is an invitation. I always say, I'm not here to tell you what to think, but I do invite you to think for yourself, to kind of ponder these things. You know, somebody just left me a message literally like earlier today before I recorded this saying, hey, I listened to I listened to that podcast that, that you just um, put out. I'm trying to think of which one it was. Um, oh, the costumes we wear, I think is what it was, right? Oh, the costume shop. That's what it was. She's like, you know, they said, I I just listened to the costume shop. And even though you said it wasn't going to be a long episode, you gave me a lot to think about, a lot to reflect on and contemplate. And that's what excites me is that not that you walk away from this and you're like, oh, well, KK said I should do this. It's not shoulds. It's like, I'm just sharing what I'm excited about, what I'm enthusiastic about, what I'm thinking about. And then hopefully in some way, it's going to land for you, resonate with you, or be helpful for you in some way as well. Okay, so um, so we're connected the dots, right? Spinning wheels, what goes up must come down. I'm flipping that. What went down in your childhood will come up because I have seen it again and again and again and again in myself, in my in my clients, in my students, in my at my retreats, like all the different ways I've worked with people over the years. And- <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little bit, a little bit of um, I don't know, I don't know what it is, like dry throat or something going on for my run. Okay. And then the show, the show uh couples therapy gets me thinking about this. Okay. Here's what we know. In more ways than one, in more ways than one, your childhood trauma um will impact and show up in your adult relationships, right? 
the good news is, is there's all different kinds of ways that we could um, try and um, get support and that healing is possible. Like it's all really good news, right? So I don't want you to walk away from this like, oh, my childhood was a fucking shit show. So I'm doomed. Because <laughs> trust me, trust me, if I can have a healthy relationship, I'm just saying, I know we're not all exactly the same. Uh, we're, we don't all have the same circumstances and privileges and all these different things. But I, I, I attest that like, the, the childhood that I had in the in the, the 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 structures that I grew up within, if I can claw and dig my way out of it, I have hope. I have hope for lots of other people too. I think that's what I feel comfortable saying. So like, but here's the thing. If you've experienced trauma in those early years of your life, like when you were a kid, right? Um, you might look at life and like the the podcast I did last week, right? The lens you look through, but you might look look at and experience your kind of adult world and your adult relationships in a particular kind of way, uh, and they might not always be fantastic, right? Like I'm always talking about how the number one thing your nervous system is asking you, and we all have pretty much, right? I mean, I can't say medically across the board. I mean, I, I haven't met all eight billion people on the planet, but pretty much most of us, right? We all have nervous systems. And our nervous system is always asking, do, do, you know, is it safe here? Am I safe? And this started very young when we were babies. We were always kind of like scanning our environment and looking for like, you know, when little babies lift their hands and they're like, you know, they're, they're not verbal yet, but you know what they're saying. They're like, up, up. Like, that's what they're saying. Like, pick me up, pick me up, right? So um, if, and again, we get, we'll, we'll get into this in a minute about attachment styles, but um you know, as an adult, if you don't feel particularly safe all the time, um, if, if you have a hard time uh, with conflict, if, if you have kind of like avoidance things, like you avoid intimacy, like all these different things that you might see coming up in yourself as an adult, when as it pertains to you being in relationships and whether that's with your siblings, your friends, your coworkers, your, your sexual partners, your sweetie who you marry, like whatever, um, you know, you're not alone. Let's just put it that way. You're not alone because a lot of us are trying to navigate uh, this whole being being human experience and being, you know, healthy, kind, mature, emotionally intelligent adults. But we didn't always kind of have like great beginnings or uh, we maybe didn't have access to the tools or the support or the resources, you know, that would help us to show up um, a little bit different. So um, I, I was reading, I mean, I, 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 I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of things, but there's a couple of statistics that I um, got off of uh, an article on psychcentral.com that I found fascinating. And it says in the U.S. So, you know, we're talking about we're talking about like what went down in your childhood. And I kind of want to talk about trauma a little bit. Um, but I'm going to keep it kind of light. I'm not going to dive deep. There's other people like, you know, you can listen to Linda Tai and uh, you know, Gabor Mate and all these other people who who are like true, like this is their field of study. Uh, I am highly trauma informed. I do a lot of work, but I'm not, I would say hashtag not a therapist. Okay. But here's what I want to share. In the US, more than two thirds of children, psychcentral.com says, have experienced some form of trauma. Whew. Listen to that. More than two thirds of children have experienced some form of trauma. And then it says this, listen to this, across the globe, one in eight adults have reported childhood sexual abuse. Sometimes when I read these things, I have to take a deep breath. I have to pause for a moment. 
one in eight adults have reported childhood sexual abuse. And then one in four have reported physical abuse. One in four. Okay. So childhood trauma is, is like, cause a lot of times people are like, no, I had a good childhood. I didn't have trauma. Right. But uh, childhood trauma isn't as uncommon as you think. And here's the reality. There's different ways of thinking about what trauma is. We often think of trauma in childhood as those capital T, what we call capital T traumas, like the really big ones. Right. But we can't dismiss also what, what let's just call it the smaller T the smaller T uh, trauma. So let's just talk about this. So uh, capital T trauma. Okay, if you've never heard of what's called the ACE score, A-C-E, like, you know, ACE, like in a deck of cards, that word, ACE, A-C-E. ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. Okay, and you can just Google it. If you Google it in your own free time and look it up, you'll see kind of the list. And I don't fully agree 100% with the list. I think they leave some important stuff off of there. So I, I, but here's childhood trauma is like an umbrella term. And what it really refers to, right, is significantly distressing experiences that you might have experienced or been exposed to or whatever as a kid, right? And here's some examples, just so you can see if you can recognize any of these for yourself. Physical violence. And these aren't all of the, I, I added, I added like, you know, because I pulled from different lists is what I'm trying to say. So physical violence, natural disasters, sexual abuse, like, you know, think about like hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, loss of your house, like all that stuff, right? Physical violence, natural disasters, um, abandonment, sexual abuse, death of a parent, right? Or loss of, um, of a loved one. If you were like in foster care, now this is not the ACE. I want to be clear. This is not the official ACE, you know, the uh, adverse childhood experiences list, but I'm just giving you a, a sip sip of examples. Okay. If you were in foster care or any other event where you felt, I like this description, where you felt scared, helpless, horrified, or overwhelmed. And when we think about this, just think about being a little kid again and how you know, and I was saying this to a client the other day, like we forget, I always say to people, my clients who are, who are parents who still have small kids, I said, it's really important once in a while that you get down on their level, like, so where you would be their height. Okay. And I say to people who have dogs and pets as well, try to get low, low, low to the ground to like where their height is and then look up and see what their experience is visually right? And how scary it must be when you are that small and your parent raises their voice or raises their hand at them or the, the child needs something and they're ignored, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, it's like, it's, it's scary to be that small in this big world sometimes. And especially if you don't have good attachment styles, which we'll, you know, we'll talk about. And that shows up, that experience from when you're little, if it's not dealt with, if it's not, if it's not healed, it will show up in your experiences later. Now, I want to say this about trauma too. We're all wired in a particular way, meaning what might have been traumatic for me might not feel traumatic to somebody else. What might feel really traumatic to somebody else uh, may not be that traumatic to me because it depends on how we are perceiving a situation and how we feel about it, right? So it's important that we don't 
roll our eyes or suck our teeth or be like, stop being a baby. Oh, and I see people do it all the time. Just for one example, those of us who really, really, really love animals, we find safety. Our nervous systems find safety in the familiarity of our animals. We just love, love, love animals. You know, for me, I always say animals are one of my fastest pathways to the divine. There's no ego there. Like it's it's pure, unadulterated, like love. Like it's it's unabashed, like love. So they're, they're like safety for me, amongst other things, great companions, un- incredible love. And so a lot of times you'll see people who maybe don't feel the same way about animals kind of roll their eyes or be like, it was a dog. When, like when your pet dies or whatever, it was a dog, get over it. You know, and I've had so many people reach out to me over the years when they're grieving, when they're grieving a pet, because they know that I get it and they know that I can, um, you know, uh, be a safe container and a safe place for them as they process their grief and talk about it. Because other people just kind of like, are like, just why are you being so dramatic about this? It was a fucking dog or it was a cat or whatever. And it's because they don't get it. So remember, let's be kind to each other. Let's be compassionate, right? Something that bothers you might not be something uh, that bothers somebody else. Okay, here's what I want to say also. So if you haven't heard of um, um, Gabor Mate, right? He's he's a famous, he's, he's an MD, he's a doctor. He does a lot of work in addiction, but he's also a famous author and he is just brilliant and I adore his work and I'm fascinated by his work. I mentioned him once already. He, he has a process called... Um, Oh, did I mention it? Anyways, Gabor Mate has a has a process called compassionate inquiry, which I really love. And um, but he talks about trauma like this. He says that trauma comes from the root. The root word of trauma comes from the Greek, and it means wound, wound. And Gabor talks about trauma, and he says this is what he says. He says um, trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside you as a result of what happens to you. I'm going to say that again. Trauma, remember the Greek word for wound, is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you. And he goes on to say, it's a psychic wound that leaves a scar. It leaves an imprint in your nervous system, in your body, in your psyche, And then it shows up in multiple ways that are not helpful to you later on. (laughs) This is exactly what I'm talking about. What goes down in childhood? That shit, if not given the attention that it needs, if we don't help those parts of us that are struggling, that are scared, that are suffering, that do not have secure attachment styles, that stuff will show up later on. And we see it a lot of times when people, you know, all of a sudden they have that realization, like, holy shit, I've been dating my father or holy shit, I've been seeking my mother, right? It's like, oh God, I don't, you know, when people say things like, I always date uh, emotionally unavailable men. I'm like, let's just think about what was your dad like? That's what I always want to say. What was your dad like, you know? Oh my God, it cracks me up. Because look, it's just, it is what it is. Because we get imprinted on, you've heard me talk about this a thousand times. Those earliest years is when we are so deeply impressionable and we are already being affected even when we're still in the womb based on what our moms were going through. The environments that our mothers were experiencing, if our mothers had high anxiety, did not feel safe, like whatever's going on, it literally changes kids' DNA. I'm telling you, like we can't, we can no longer ignore the science. 
right? We can't ignore the science. And of course, there's also spiritual implications of this, right? But the, the science shows us that we are affected by the environments that we're in. It starts with being in the womb in whatever that environment was. What was the quality of our mother's thought? Did they feel safe? Was there enough food? Were they doing drugs? Like what was going on? And then we pop out and what's the fucking environment that we're being raised in? that we're being influenced by, who are our earliest caretakers, like all of this shapes us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Here's another thing I love to share. You heard me say this, um, Linda Tai said it in uh, one or two of our episodes, but um, Gabor also says this. He says, trauma isn't just what happened to you. It's what didn't happen that should have happened. It's what didn't happen that should have happened, meaning maybe you didn't get the nurturance you needed. Maybe you didn't get the support you needed. Maybe you weren't seen. Maybe you weren't heard. Maybe you didn't feel like you belonged. Maybe you didn't get the love that you need. Maybe you didn't feel like you matted. Maybe you were told you know, to shut up or go away or be quiet or like whatever the environment was in your home growing up. Because a lot of times, um, you know, especially in our generation, right? Gen Gen X, right? We're we're the we're the kids who like, you know, our parents a lot of times were absent because both parents were working. We were the latchkey kids, right? I mean, there's so many fun videos out there now about how, you know, we're the kids that didn't even come inside the house to get a drink of water. They told us to suck it from the hose, you know? <laughs> they were like, don't come in the house. They kicked us out. We were like five, six, seven years old. They're like, beat it, get out of the house. Don't come back to the streetlights, come on, you know? We were like feral. I talk about this a lot. We were feral as children. I write about this in my book. Um, so I also want to talk about this. Um, just like all kinds of things, like, you know, when people are like, oh my God, I love that. Or I love you. We throw certain words around and we stop losing. Um, we stop losing. What do I say? Sometimes the, the true meaning or the urgency or the reverence or the importance of those words. And I think the word trauma gets thrown around a lot today by people who actually don't know what they're talking about or they're trying to be funny, right? I've heard people say like, oh my God, I went to go get my my Starbucks. I went to go get my dunks and they were out of X, Y, and Z. And I was like traumatized, you know, it traumatized me. I couldn't have my coffee this morning. I'm like, what are you talking about, okay? So sometimes it's taken out of context. Sometimes the situation is a little exaggerated. Um, and they use they use that word trauma to describe, you know, something that maybe was inconvenient or maybe a little unpleasant, or maybe they were a little upset, but that shit didn't leave physical scars. Do you know what I'm saying? It didn't leave emotional and physical scars. Um, so, doc, uh, so Gabor says that while all trauma is stressful, not all stress is traumatic. So let's be a little mindful about when we use that word, all right? And he says, you know, he also says this, he says, you know, trauma is a wound, and I'm paraphrasing all of this PS, trauma is a wound. And so uh, whenever somebody might touch upon a particular wounded spot or a particular place in us or a particular topic, you know, you guys have heard me talk about, you know, people say, oh, they push my button. You know, they get triggered by things. You know, that's kind of one of those unresolved wounds sometimes. So if, if, if somebody is pushing on a particular thing or a part of us that has not been healed or dealt with or whatever, um, you know, it can cause us to, to feel, feel hurt again. If the trauma is still, is still, um, 
like kind of raw, you know, when, a, when, a, when you have a boo-boo, <laughs> when you have a boo-boo <laughs> and it's still, it's still fresh and still raw. It can still be painful if somebody pokes you or bumps it or whatever. And it's not like they're doing it on purpose. Okay. It's not like they're doing it on purpose. Okay. Here's the other thing though, um, over time. And I love how, how Gabor, Gabor is such a brilliant teacher. So I love how he kind of flips it also. And he says, but here's the thing on the other hand, over time, those wounds can scar. But the thing about scar tissue is that it starts to become rigid. And so he says, this guy, this is his, this is his words. This scar can cause a traumatized person to be less flexible and their emotional growth and development will suffer as a result. I'm doing a whole podcast on stubbornness. That's a story for another day. But listen to that. That scar can cause a traumatized person to be less flex flexible and it affects their emotional growth and the development. And a result of that, not only, not only are you going to suffer, but probably the people that you're in relationship to. And it's not just the adults in your life. It's the kids. So have you ever had like an awful school teacher? Just let that land in your body for a second. You ever have a school teacher who was a son of a bitch? who like was just should never have been around kids. You know what I'm saying? You ever experienced those authority figures or those people who scared the shit out of you when you were little, but not in a good way, not in a healthy way where they were teaching you like, you know, respect and self-respect and self and how to, you know, how to, how to be a good, decent human being, but just the people who like pretty much hated children and had a lot of unresolved trauma that was just rolling downhill to the rest of us, like a bowling ball, right? Like we're all the little pins just standing there. That's what it's like in family sometimes, right? If the head of the family and that shit gets passed down, so we're talking like great, great grandfather to the great grandfather, to the grandfather, to the father, and everybody in their path, especially their children, are like little pins. And they're that huge frigging ball that's coming to roll, unless it's candle pin. But even that's a great analogy too, right? Capital T trauma is those the big balls, right? With the three holes that you huck down on the West Coast. East Coast is, right? We, we just act like those big balls are like the little candle pins, but it's not. That shit leaves a mock, man. That stuff scars. <laughs> so... Here's the thing. I love this line too, right? Again, paraphrasing a little bit. So Gabor says that all the stuff that happens to us, it can't unhappen, right? They say they say in 12-step programs, like you can't build a better past, right? What happened, happened. But we can heal trauma just like we can heal, okay? Um, like physical wounds. We can heal those emotional wounds, those internal wounds, just like we can physical wounds. And he says, because, and here's why this matters, because it's not the event that happened to you, but the harm that you suffered due to that particular circumstance. And that harm can be healed, right? We can't go back and make the thing unhappen. The inappropriate touch, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the emotional abuse, your parents' divorce, your mother dying, the, the war, like all the thousand and one ways we can be traumatized, right? It wasn't enough food in the house, foster care, like literally, we, there's a thousand and one ways that poor little kids suffer, suffer, suffer. I mean, go back, right? Go back. What was, what was that? Um, what was that thing? One in eight adults have reported sexual childhood abuse. One in four have reported phys physical abuse. So at any time, just think about your workplace. If you're not an entrepreneur, right? Maybe you don't work at home, a solopreneur. Maybe you go to a place of work. And, and let's say there's like 20, 30, whatever, 40 people in the room. Take a look around. Because if one in eight and then one in four 
have experienced that level of trauma. You basically have, I always say to my clients, like, look, I want you to think of yourself. You're not just a person. Like you think of yourself as being like fucked up or broken or whatever, right? But you're not broken. You might have some wounds. You might have some places that need some healing and attention and love and nurturing and care, okay? Um, but you're not just a person. You're also a nervous system. And you're also a person who has had uh, like childhood experiences. And these are the things, even though you're an adult, right? I talk about this a lot. Like people will say to me, do you ever work with kids? Because I bet kids could really benefit from your work. I said, well, technically I work with adults, but what I'm really working with is little kids in adult bodies sometimes. And that's that whole past work thing. Like I know that I'm a lot of times dealing with, and that's why, you know, I did a whole podcast about this. But if one of my clients is coming to me and they're like, hey, I'm really triggered by this, or I got really upset, or I got mad at my kid, or I yelled at them, whatever, you know, human, hello, humans, people be peopling. <laughs> so when they're peopling and they come to a session to talk to me about it, and I'll say, okay, so in that moment when you got triggered, like where in your body, somatically, like where you, where are you feeling this? What was coming up for you? And I'll say to them, how old are you? How old were you in that moment? How old are you right now? Because a lot of times it's not the adult you right? Who, who, it's not usually the adult you who loses their shit or has the adult tantrum, as they call it. They have a little tantrum, right? They get triggered. They get upset because that old wound, it's like it's been pressed on and not usually on purpose. This is the humans, we're sometimes a little clumsy with each other. We're not as kind or patient or graceful or forgiving or compassionate or whatever, you know? And sometimes we can be a little like bull in a china shop-ish, you know, with ourselves too, and I also want to say this, if you're somebody who has had a lot of trauma, right? It's like, which means like maybe you're not showing up the best at times in your relationships, you know, how you're showing up in the world. It's not like you're trying to do that on purpose either. A lot of these things are unconscious patterns and habits that were put in place as survival mechanisms. And then at some point they were adaptive mechanisms, right? They were adaptive strategies to survive our environments. And then at some point they become, you know, call, I don't like to pathologize things, but they become a little maladaptive. Like they start to get in the way. You start to fucking get in your own way because you don't know, you don't have new tools yet. You don't have new skills yet. That's why working with somebody like me can be so incredibly helpful. That's why going to therapy for some people, not all people, not all people do well with talk therapy. Some people, you know, want to, should work with, and I say should, but not like wagging my finger, but meaning that's what would be most helpful to them is finding a somatic therapist or somebody who's really trained in trauma or somebody who's really trained in internal family systems or somebody like me who uses hypnosis and spiritual mentoring and all of the different, like lots of different modalities, right? Getting in the body as a yoga teacher, breath work, all kinds of meditation, prayer, all the different writing, right? So it's not like, you, you know, you're walking around trying to be a particular way. It's just a lot of this stuff is learned behavior. And, um, and I love this too. So in, in A Course in Miracles in different spiritual traditions, <clears throat> I always say that when, when I think about working with a client, you know, it's really important that I hold a vision of them in my mind as I believe that underneath all of it, underneath the, 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 the human experience, how I see them as they really are. Now, I might voice that as a child of God. I'm not saying they have to see themselves that way, as an extension of the divine. 
as the love of the world, as light itself, right? There's lots of different ways I think about people. Um, but I hold this vision of them. And I often use these words. Like, I don't even say it to them. It's all in my head, right? Because people can only be, I always say this, in your presence, people can only be the best that they can be as they are first in your mind and how you're perceiving them. So I try to think in my mind, I see you as happy, healthy, healed, whole, and holy happy, healthy, healed. I see you as you really are underneath, beyond these wounds, these traumas, these tragedies. Uh, and I'm not saying they're feeling that exactly in that moment. This is the vision that I hold, happy, healthy, healed, whole, and holy. And I love this because this idea of wholeness, of holiness, of health, of being whole, right? Um, Gabor says that, and this is her, his, his take on it, right? So we talk about it like the capital S self, in yoga, in spiritual traditions, we say there's the small self, which is the ego personality. And then there's like the capital S self, which is, you know, the true self. They talk about this too. Also, I discovered many years later in internal family systems. And that capital S self, which is the, the real you, the part of you that is beyond the human experience, right? That part of you that is whole and happy and healthy and healed and whole and holy, that part of you that is love, that energy of love. So Gabor says that the word health from his native language of, of, of Hungarian, or, you know, he comes from Hungary, it stems from the word whole. And he says this, he says, trauma splits us from our true selves and disconnects us from our emotions. So healing is the coming together of the self to become whole again. Healing is the coming together of the self to be whole again. And it's the same thing in internal family systems. It's the same thing in yoga. The word yoga means unity. It means oneness, that perfect oneness. We talk about it in A Course in Miracles too, that you are not separate from your source, that you are already perfect. And so, you know, it's like coming back to this. And I often say to people, this work is about this the, the, this work is not about i think i said this in last week's podcast if i'm if i'm repeating myself i apologize but you know this is how we learn repetition 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 is that this work isn't about becoming something and 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 having to be good or be what it, it's about it's about releasing and removing and letting go of all that is not truly you it's less about becoming and it's about releasing but it's also about re remembering, remembering who you truly are. And so a lot of times people say like, oh, because we forget. And I'm like, yeah, we get a little bit of spiritual amnesia. But the opposite of the word of remember is to dismember. So this work is about returning home to yourself wholly. It's about like to, to become complete and whole again. It's remembering who you are, to whom you belong. It's remembering your wholeness. It's to remember. It's to take those dismembered parts and to bring them together in unity, in wholeness, in health, in wellness, in safety, in love. To remember ourselves. Okay. So what, let, let, let me just dive into my notes here. I want to make sure I, I, so I can move on. Okay. So I mentioned a couple of times about like um, attachment theory and attachment styles. And I don't really want to go into this because it's not really 
Uh, I know enough, I would say I know enough to be dangerous. Okay. But here's the thing. So childhood trauma impacts the way that we experience adult relationships. So here's what I will tell you. Your early childhood experiences, you've heard me talk about this on other episodes. It shapes, uh, it shapes what you believe about yourself and what you believe oftentimes about others and what you believe about the world. And you either decide that the world is a, is a, is a secure place and is a safe place, or it's a scary place. Sometimes it might be in between for some people, but it's usually like, okay, like, I don't know if I'm safe here. I don't know if it's okay for me to be seen because sometimes to be seen growing up for some of us to be seen means that there was going to be a price to pay. There was going to be suffering. So attachment theory, uh, very simply, uh, comes into play in how you are in relationship with other people, like how you relate to other people, how you either um, avoid intimacy or have the ability to create connection and intimacy, okay? So according to this theory, I'm doing air quotes, right? According to this theory, our adult relationships, um, the bonds that we make, right? They often mirror, they reflect, they mirror how we were first, like what was first established with our earliest primary caregivers. That might have been your parents. <clears throat> it might have been the nurses in the hospital, right? It might have been like if you were a kid who was in, um, um, you know, you were in the NICU, right? If you were a preemie or something like that, or you weren't well, that changes your whole experience from right out of the shoot, man, right out of the shoot. If you were in the foster care system, if you were adopted, if you were abandoned, like, right, were you raised by, by guardians? Were you raised by a single mom? Were you raised by like, so, right? This is what I'm saying. So, how we're showing up in our adult relationships, uh, we're often mirroring those things that we first experienced that were established with our primary caregivers. Okay, so there's four types of attachment styles, and I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go heavy into this, like I said. So they're secure. So someone with a secure attachment style, they're usually they're better at. Let's put it this way: they they feel they felt security, they felt love, they feel more confident. They, they establish trust a little bit more easily. They make close relationships with other people. There's not a lot of hesitancy around uh, loving others or letting themselves receive love or be loved. They don't avoid intimacy and they tend not to depend entirely on other people. That's secure attachment. That's like really great, you know? God bless, God bless. If you're somebody who were raised by, I always say like by uh, unicorn parents, God bless. Um, the other ones are called anxious or anxious preoccupied. And people with this attachment style usually experience a significant fear of being abandoned. Uh, it also might show up as feeling the need to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not not rewarded, validated, validated all the time, like people who need to be validated constantly. And a lot of times um, they will sometimes feel like that their partner isn't doing a good enough job. Their partner doesn't really care for them enough and stuff like that. Okay. There's also something that's called dismissive avoidant. Okay. And this is people who experience like a fear of closeness, a fear of emotional intimacy. Um, they don't really trust other people. Uh, they sometimes distrust their significant others, the people they're in close relationship with. They often show up as emotionally unavailable. You ever date somebody who had a huge fear of commitment, <laughs> right? They kind of avoid letting people get too close to them. And if any of these, if you recognize yourself in any of these, this is great 
great information. So pay attention. This isn't about creating shame or blame or whatever. It's not about labeling anybody. It's just giving us a little bit more information to see how, how we, what we experience as children could be affecting. Remember what went down is going to show up if it hasn't been addressed, healed, gotten attention, gotten the support that it's needed, right? For that wound, that trauma, that original trauma to heal. Okay, then there's also what they call fearful, fearful avoidant. And this is people who tend to really crave attention and love from their significant people, their significant others and stuff like that, the people closest to them. But they also at the same time kind of avoid emotional intimacy on their own part. So they might need to feel like they, they might want a lot of attention and they might want to feel loved, but they also tend to avoid developing close romantic partnerships. So that's a tough one, right? That's like, you know, sometimes I describe that, um, you know, and I've had that, I'll say like, oh, one part of me wants this, one part of me wants that. And I call it kind of like the trying to put your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. <laughs> Anybody know what that's like? Okay, so the, the first one was that secure attachment and the other three that I also named, those are what are considered uh, insecure attachment styles. And those, uh, you know, when, when I'm watching that show, when I'm watching, um, you know, couples therapy and I'm like, holy shit, like you literally, when you know it, when you know a little bit about this stuff, you can literally see it like playing out like right before your eyes. It's incredibly fascinating. And you have so much compassion for the, first of all, for the people who are vulnerable enough to be filmed and then to share it with the world, knowing that, oh my God, my deepest insecurities, my relationships with my parents, the, the abuse, the trauma, the stuff I went through as, as a kid uh, is going to be on national TV. But man, do we learn so much from seeing it in others? And then we can also recognize it in ourselves. It's a very powerful thing. So here's the thing. If you did, if you did recognize any of those, what they call insecure attachment styles um, in yourself, then just really be kind to yourself, be compassionate, be patient. Um, these things really stem, like I said, from our earliest childhood experiences when we didn't have any authority, any agency, um, any sovereignty, We things were out of our control. And these were the things that we developed um, and that we experienced that then turned into whether they were strategies or behaviors or patterns or habits, conditioning where we were just trying to survive. They're not, they're not, they're, they're, they're unconscious or subconscious choices. They're not conscious choices. You're not, you're not running around going like, oh, I'm trying to have insecure attachment with you. I'm trying to be distrusting or avoidant or wicked needy or like whatever in my relationships. Um, this is just what your brain was doing to try to survive and adapt. Because if you grew up in an environment that was not particularly safe or supportive or helpful or nurturing, then this is kind of what as little little babies, little humans, little toddlers, little kids, you know, we did. Uh, but this is what Gabor is talking about, that these are things that can be healed. These are patterns and challenges that can be changed. These are these are things that can be interrupted. And that's a lot of the work that I do is right, like is interrupting patterns, putting new empowering beliefs in, in place and creating a foundation of spiritual connection, if that's what people want, right? Most people don't come to work with me if they're also not interested in some form of spiritual mentoring. Um, so, um, you know, when we do have these kinds of situations when we're, when we're kids, um, 
the other ways that it gets affected in our adult relationships, right? What went down in your house is going to come up and you might see it in the way that you, I always say I'm a communicator, right? I may not have always been the best communicator because what was mirrored for me, or I should say what was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Demonstrated, I guess, maybe what was demonstrated to me as a child in my house is it was zero to 60. There wasn't a lot of pre-talk about like, hey, let's sit down and discuss our feelings. I'm upset. No, my parents fought like it was like it was a war zone in our house. It was constant screaming. There was throwing of plates of food. There was like this always I, I call it like uh, the energy was always alive with the threat of violence. Right. That's how it felt like those raised voices. And again, go back to when I say get on your hands and knees, get really small and look up. And try to remember what it might feel like to be that small and to hear your parents just like going at it, like screaming, yelling, the drama, the slamming of the doors, the like just just the intensity of that. Woo, you're not, like, even just talking about it, I can feel my, my heart rate going up a little bit. And I talked about this too. Oh my God, if you don't watch the show, The Bear, all right, there's this incredible show on Hulu that I'm also obsessed with called The Bear. And in season two, episode six, it was called Fishes. That scene, I literally, that that whole episode, I literally had to keep stopping and pausing and like, woo, using some EFT, using some tapping, taking some breath. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, this is causing such anxiety in my body because I could totally relate. And I've talked to so many other people who also experienced that, they're like, holy shit, that was intense because it was, I think it was pressing on, pressing on those memory centers. It was bringing up stuff from our own childhoods, the intensity, especially if you had yellows in your family, if you had a lot of instability, if you had a lot of just intense, right? Alcoholism, whatever was going on in your family that I'm just like viewer warning. It's incredible. It is incredible. And that that was like, woo, it was a lot, a lot of stuff came up for me. So the way that you saw communication happening in your childhood home, that will often affect the way that you communicate as an adult. So notice if you're somebody who avoids, right, slams things, you, you become like all the different ways, right? I, I think there's like, I, I talk about this too. It's like you, you can become like, in denial, will you just go like, fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You're not really fine, right? But you're like, fine, I'm fine. Or you become passive, right? So that's kind of the, I'm fine. You like self-deny, You or you become like apologetic. You're like, no, 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 indirect, right? So that's the passive. Then you become passive aggressive, right? Those are the people who are like slamming doors and they're, they're just not really, um, they're not really being uh, truly, truly, honest. Like they won't come out and say it. They won't meet the thing head on. And then you just have people who are completely aggressive, right? So I would say you have like the, the denying, then you have the, you have the passive, you have the passive aggressive, and then you just have the straight up aggressive styles. And, um, you know, uh, remember it's often just the communication style that you saw as a kid. That was, oh, that's the word modeled. It was modeled for you, right? Not just demonstrated. They weren't like, Hey, let me show you this demonstration. They were just being them, the, them themselves. But again, my generation, we had a lot of young parents. I said that was a generation of babies having babies. So we had a lot of people popping out kids before they had dealt with their own trauma. 
before they really knew themselves, before they had done any kind of like self-awareness work, um, and before that they uh, were even aware that it was a thing called trauma. It was just, this is what we got to get through. This is just life. So now we're like way ahead of the game because we have so much more information and access to information to know that there's other ways that we can heal from these things. And that's why I also say to um, my, my clients who are parents, one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is to get your shit together. What I mean by that is deal with yourself, deal with the consequences of being you, deal with your trauma, deal with the stuff where you're finding yourself getting in your own way. Try to do your own work, do your awakening work, right? There's a great poem, um, I think Rumi, and he says, you know, um, something like, you know, it's about like waking up in the middle of the night and he says, you know, um, don't go back to sleep. That's like one of the final lines, right? Don't go back to sleep. And that's what I say to people, wake up, wake up, wake up, right? Like don't go back to sleep, awaken to your own stuff so that there can be, um, it's not, first of all, passed down to your kids, but even if it has been some of it that we can reconcile and we can heal it because the world, 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 world really, really, really needs it. Okay. It's also not uncommon when you have a really tumultuous childhood and stuff like that. We've talked about this a little bit for trust to come up. Do you know, right? If you, if you have a wound like that, um, it's kind of challenging to trust sometimes yourself, sometimes others, certainly romantic partners and stuff like that, but also just, you, you don't always trust the world. Um, also sometimes you create what I, what I kind of call, they call like uh, trauma reenactments, right? Where you will um, enter, you'll enter into relationships. You'll start relationships with people where it's going to kind of mimic the same shit. Remember when I said earlier, like all of a sudden you realize like, holy shit, I'm dating my father <laughs> or, oh my God, I've been choosing people that remind me of my mother or my step, like whatever, whatever those earliest, you know, primary caregivers were, you're like, oh my God. So we often find ourselves repeating cycles from our life. And that's why you'll often sometimes, you know, be drawn towards people romantically or platonically where you can like trauma bond and you like just kind of stay, keep yourself in that pool. That's not really the great pool to be swimming in. So again, remember, it's not like you're consciously walking around just ignoring the red flags and going like, oh yeah, that one. It's all unconscious stuff, right? It's all unconscious. It's, it's. It's just the trauma that has been unresolved. So like, I'll put it this way. So uh, Nancy Irwin, Dr. Nancy Irwin, she says this. She says, if, if trauma remains unresolved, people unconsciously seek the comfort of the known, even if it's painful. And I said this on a podcast last week where I said, we will often choose because the nervous system is always seeking safety, but the brain is also seeking efficiency. And one of the ways it does that is by keeping you in the familiar. So... It will seek the comfort of the known. So I'll say you will often choose an unsafe known rather than a safe unknown. So you'll go for the comfort of the known, even if it's painful. And this is how we start to recreate that reenactment. It's like, you know, when they you're watching like a cop show and they're like, not real life. This is a reenactment of events. That sometimes is what our adult relationships are. It's a reenactment of what was going on, what went down is gonna come up, okay? And we could dive also into like emotional intelligence and other stuff like that, um, but we're not, we're not gonna go into that. But also the things that went down in your childhood, they'll come up and sometimes they come up as things like anxiety, depression, mental health conditions, um, things like that. So um, here's what I wanna say. 
if you're somebody who is recognizing some of these things about yourself in this um, in this episode, please be incredibly kind to yourself, right? This isn't about, again, the work that I do is, is more about unshaming, unshaming ourselves, right? Not beating ourselves up for the fact that we've been using these. I always say like, I don't shame earlier versions of me. She was doing the best that she know how to do. Like she was really just trying to survive. But now that I really want to thrive as an adult, I have to go back and look at some of these things. That's why I will always be doing my own work in some shape, way, or fashion. And whether I do it on my own through reading books, and doing my own, right, using my own uh, things that I have learned from so many other brilliant teachers, right? Seeking out help myself if, 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 and when I need it. Why I still study with brilliant teachers like Melissa Tears and stuff like that. Um, it's because I want to continue to heal and grow and expand and awaken and come home to myself again and again and again to remember myself to keep coming back to wholeness right? Because we do, we end up sometimes with, with with stuff that goes on in our childhoods. You know, you often, I guess one way I could describe it is you almost feel like you have holes in you. And then you go around trying to expect your partner, right? To That's why, remember Jerry Maguire? You've heard me talk about it. It drives me fucking crazy, that scene where he's like, you complete me. I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't want people walking around thinking that they're like Swiss cheese and they got all these holes that need to be filled by other people. It's like, no, because you, you, you're incomplete. If you think that you, I need you to complete me or you need me to complete you, then you think you have a hole. (laughs) And I don't, we, we want to partner with people who are doing their own work so that you have two whole to the best of their ability, whole healthy adults who come together in union. Not people who are like, I need you to complete me. You know, I've got all these holes. It's like, because they can't ever fill it. That's our own work. That's our own internal work. So mostly this is an invitation to just start to pay attention to how you're maybe showing up and noticing when you're getting triggered, noticing when stuff is coming up from your childhood. But it requires that we slow down. It requires that we give a shit about it, number one, that you make this kind of work a priority. You know, and it's also why I often talk to people. Um, you know, a lot of people who come to work with me one-to-one, they already know me. We've been in um, in other capacities together, whether it was through yoga or membership or whatever, right? But sometimes if somebody new hears me on a podcast or experiences me speaking on a stage or listen to my own podcast or whatever, and they want to come and work to me, I always talk to them because I want to make sure that the people that I'm talking with actually want to make this work a priority because this isn't work that you can really like half-ass, right? Coming to do integrative change work, to do spiritual mentoring, to do um, you know hypnosis, all, the, all these different things right? The somatic work, yoga, pattern intro, all of it, right? You want somebody who actually is really, um, I use the word ready, but like they're willing, right? Like they're like, yeah, I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going to take myself seriously and I'm not here to waste anybody's time, especially my own. That's what we want. So when you come to that place, there's so many resources out there. You guys, there's so, so, so many books there's stuff on YouTube. So Gabor Mate is a is a, gr- a brilliant teacher. Linda Tai is a brilliant teacher. Um, Dick Schwartz, Richard Schwartz, Internal Family System is brilliant. Uh, I mean, there's so many, right? Like Stephen Porges, Polyvagal Theory. There's so many things, um, and it's 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 about wanting for yourself. 
not just for other people. So yeah, your marriage is better and you're a better parent. Of course, of course, those are wicked important. But how you relate to yourself, to learn how to like reparent yourself and love yourself and care for yourself and to have that self-worth, self-love, that self-appreciation, that self-value, that enoughness, that wholeness, oh, that's where it's at. And unfortunately, we didn't always get it when we were kids. We didn't always get it because some shit went down in some of our childhoods. And if we're not paying attention and we're not noticing, there's a reason why the divorce rate in this country is as high as it is. There's a reason why um, people's loneliness, loneliness level is as high as it is. There's a reason why the addiction levels of all different kinds of things, right? All different kinds of things, not just substances, but like phone use, pornography, shot, like all of it. There's a thousand and one ways to be addicted, right? And being addicted is part of the human, human experience. It, it's a, it's, it's a habitual pattern of trying to feel different, right? There's, there's something going on within you that is a, uh, feels painful, and then you're searching for a solution. So uh, what I want to say is, <laughs> I hope this has been helpful to you in some way. I hope maybe you recognize something uh, in some way um, that like got you curious, got you curious about wanting to learn more about yourself, wanting to understand more about your partner, wanting to be able to just either start your journey, continue your journey, go deeper on your journey of self-knowing, self-knowledge, self-healing, self-love. So that's what I have for you today, right? Um, and just thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it so much. And I also want to let you guys know about a couple of things I haven't announced before. I'm like, I just realized, I was like, look at, look at this list. Look at this list, you guys. I'm holding it up. It's a piece of paper, you guys. It's got like six or seven things on it. And I'm like, these are all things that I have going on that I have not been announcing. I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> so here's what I want to let you know, loyal listener. Thank you for being here. So if you've been paying attention, I do these story time hypnosis. Um, 25 bucks, do it from the comfort of your own home. And I've been doing them as live events. And I might, I'm about to, I think, start switching up how I do this and more on that in a minute. But what I do is I take the audios of those um, those storytime hypnosis events, and storytime hypnosis is kind of like um, it's kind of like progressive relaxation, guided meditation, yoga nidra, uh, non sleep deep breaths, as Andrew Huberman calls it, and subconscious reprogramming rolled all into one. But all in this fun kind of way where you just get to listen passively, like you get to just lay down, relax, get cozy, and hear me in your ears uh, walking you through little story time hypnosis and people have been, I'm not I'm not tooting my own horn in an arrogant way but people have been loving it I've been getting such incredible feedback but what I'm trying to say is I now have an audio shop on karenkenny.com you just go to karenkenny.com slash audios and um, there's like I think there's five of them in there right now and it's pretty cool you can buy them 25 bucks and then you can download it you can have it um, you'll get the email in your inbox and you can listen to it whenever you want okay I also have my retreat, the Own Your Magic Retreat, a four-day transformational retreat is coming up in November. I think it's November 9th through the 12th. Um, that is now open and available. Again, just go to my website, karenkenny.com, and you will see it right there on the homepage. Just hit retreat, and you'll be good to go. You can sign up, find out more. Um, I'm also... Um, always working with people opening. I have room for a few clients right now for one-to-one -one in the quest. Again, with all this work that I do, spiritual menta, right? Integrative hypnosis, integrative change work, um, 
life coaching, you know, yoga. Te- I bring everything that I do, all the different skill sets, all the certifications, all the stuff. I bring it wholly to that experience. And that's the one-to-one experience, the quest. But I also have a new group coaching program, which is basically all that stuff, but in a group, um, in a group coaching format. So Um, If you have not experienced what I like to kind of call collective learning uh, and collective coaching, it's incredibly powerful. I can tell you more why on another episode, but I just wanted to let you know, and that's called The Alchemy. And that's a four-month program, group program. It's starting in September, 2023. And then I'm also going to be a guest teacher. I will be one of the, um, I don't know, whatever they're calling us, the expert teachers or whatever, um, the leaders, I don't know, leading a workshop <laughs> at an event called, um, I think it's called Nurture and or Nourish. It's Nourish. And that is happening in November as well. And it's just for yoga teachers. So it's like a continuing education. It's a full day of incredible, really fun events. Um, you know, it's like one event, but within it, there's going to be like marketing and mantra and voice. And I'm going to be teaching hands-on assists and stuff like that. It's going to be an incredible day. Uh, and I'll tell you more about that too. It's not on my web- website yet, but just be on the lookout for it. Can you hear Toby? Can you guys hear Toby pajamas marching back and forth behind me, demanding attention? This is a cat with an insecure attachment style. <laughs> what is it, buddy? Hold on. I pick you up. I pick you up. Okay. Okay. All right. So I just picked him up so he'd stop screaming. So you guys, I have all kinds of fun stuff coming up. And um, if any of that interests you, just get on my, if you get on my email list, you will always be the first ones to know when I'm up to shenanigans and doing fun things. And let's go to karenkenny.com slash sign up and you'll be the first to find out. So thank you so much for being here with me today. It has been uh, a pleasure to get to um, spend this time together with you. I hope it's been enjoyable for you and not just me. Oh, God bless. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Remember, wherever you go, wherever you go, you're taking all of you with you. You're taking, you know, baby you, two-year-old you, toddler you, you know, um, little kid you, teen you, 20-year-old you, all those pots, all those pots are traveling around with you. And some of those pots had a harder time than others. So if we can learn how to go back and listen and be kind and do the work and trying to heal that that wound, right? That trauma. And remember, not all trauma, I just have to say this, there's capital T trauma, those really big things, but even the little things, you know, even some of the littler things that some people might roll their eyes and say, get over it, right? Because they're not very emotionally intelligent. Um, you know, those are things that for a lot of kids, especially HSPs, I was one of them, highly sensitive persons, highly sensitive people, highly sensitive kids, you know, we experience things just just not being um, listened to or nurtured or whatever. Uh, and I'm not saying those are small things, but things that most people would not consider like capital T trauma, that shit can still leave a mark too. So um, just be kind and compassionate and extend some grace, but mostly curiosity towards yourself. And um, let's see so that we can all end up, right? Coming from that place of our true wholeness. Okay, wherever you go, leave yourself, leave the people, leave the place, leave the animals, leave the environment, leave, leave just... Everybody you come in contact with, whatever you come in contact with, may it be better off that you were there and that you were in contact with it wherever you go. May it be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time. 
friendship and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.